might have heard that the Talica boys were gonna play some heavy shit tonight. Welcome to the Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck, and this is another edition of Metal Tales from the Road. We had a bit of a break from this series because uh, Clinton and I on vacation, and that overlap lasted almost a month. But we're back doing these things here, and uh, of course we did a part one with our friend Chris Yurgis. Uh, it was me and Clint together, and it was kind of a Metal Tales, but it was an official episode. This is night two, and we're on the phone. We're talking to uh, Chad Pollock. How are you doing, Chad? Excellent, sir. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, I believe the last thing you did uh, was review the Boise show with us. It is. Last, that was like last November, I believe? Yeah, sometime into November. Yeah, man. Well, uh, we're going to talk about SNM 2 Night 2 here. Chad was at the show. And Chad, if you remember right, if you listen to the show uh, in excruciating detail, uh, Chad actually won the tickets from us for this show. Yeah, you know, before we get going here, I just really want to say thank you. Uh, what an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, it, you know, I, I, hey, I'm one of those guys that never wins anything. So <laughs> well, so when I was driving to work that, that day uh, that you guys announced that I, I luckily have a pretty short commute. It was about 10 minutes and, uh, and, I, and I was listening and you guys read my name off just as I was pulling into the parking lot. And I was like... I got to sit in my car for a minute here and digest that. <laughs> thankfully, thankfully you, you still weren't on the main road and like veered off into a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, rewound it back. I'm like, no, they did say Chad, so yeah. that's uh, yeah, that that's me. <laughs> yeah, well, so I immediately called my wife and she didn't answer. Yeah, and then I waited ten minutes and I called her again and she didn't answer. And so I was like, oh, babe, you texted her. You gotta you gotta call me back. I yeah, got totally. good news. <laughs> Well, uh, hopefully she didn't think it was an emergency. I mean, it was kind of an, a good emergency, I guess. Well, it was a great emergency. The the really, I mean, aside from getting to go see uh, a once in a lifetime, well, four times in a lifetime performance, right? Um, it was our fifth year anniversary, and uh, just the way that life's worked out, I wasn't able to take uh, Brooke on a honeymoon, yeah. so. This was kind of a, a five-year anniversary honeymoon thing. Awesome. So. Awesome. So your wife was your guest. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's very that's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And of course, you know, our friend, uh, she goes by Metallic Cat. We have her to thank for uh, procuring the tickets. And Clinton and I kind of swooped in. We were able to buy those from her, give them to you. And um, we, you know, sorted it out between everybody, uh, predominantly the two of you, to make sure the tickets were transferred and everything was kosher before you booked flights and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, we're glad that it worked out. Um, that's the beauty of a lot of, uh, these people that are, uh, huge Metallica fans, the fans of our show, uh, they look out for one another and, uh, not only at the shows, but obviously behind the scenes when things like this happen and, uh, yeah, everyone cares for each other. And, and it was like, not a question in anyone's mind. Like, yeah, we'll take care of it. We'll get the tickets transferred. We'll make sure it happens. So, 
thank you very much uh, for that. Um, we yeah yeah Kat she uh, she really uh, helped me out and she had everything set up very uh, seamlessly and it was really really easy to to get the tickets and have it work through and and the hardest part was the fact that I had never used Ticketmaster before and yeah. so I wasn't quite sure of what the process was but but through a couple correspondence between uh, her and myself we uh, got it all pretty set and secure and you know the tickets don't become available on your phone till what was it like a day or 24 hours or 48 hours before oh right yeah and so you know i transferred everything into my phone uh to my phone number and and on my phone and through my app and uh and but still you know until you're until you make <laughs> it through the security right. and they don't ask for for uh your your id you know and i try to explain to them that that cat is you know just a nickname that they call me um so, <laughs> Wow, so there was a little bit of stress involved. I mean, because it's like now. I assume did you guys you guys flew? I assume right. Yeah, so we made a, a five day trip. Well, it ended up being a six day trip out of it, but um, flew down Friday morning uh, from Boise and ended up in. I guess it was Friday afternoon. Ended up in San Francisco Friday evening about five thirty. Uh, that was a a pretty cool experience in uh walking through the airport i saw several people with metallica t-shirts on and just yeah you know i i just went up to somebody and and just started you know i didn't have a metallica t-shirt on or anything i just looked like normal joe blow traveler and just started grilling them about you know what night are you going where are you sitting you know, where are you staying <laughs> and yeah, so man. uh it, yeah but it was you know what you you expounded upon earlier about the community is uh, as we go through this. It was it, you just can't believe the camaraderie. Um, there are a lot of people like Fish or Dead and Co. or you know Dave Matthews Band that have those types of communities, and they're all understood, and people expect that and 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 know about it. But I think for people, especially like my wife, who is just a peripheral fan and, mm -hmm. and actually, as I call her, a recovering hippie, she was <laughs> so she was so amazed at how friendly everybody was and how inviting and open and and just the the camaraderie of everybody uh, being there for not only su such a special event, but for something that they all love together. Yeah, so. absolutely, man. And I feel like, in, in this case with Metallica, I feel like it's the most hardcore fans that are the most giving, and there's the most camaraderie, and they're willing to stick their neck out for you and help you out and uh, you know, make certain situations work in your benefit. And you know, when me and Clint went to Birmingham to see Metallica, you know, Sarah Sobek like saved us a spot on the rail and stuff. And, and maybe it's the more casual fans that might be, you know, if you kind of make your way through the crowd to get to the rail, like someone who's maybe kind of a casual fan might be like, Hey, what are you doing, man? But it's the hardcore fans that are like, no, no, pull him up here. Let's, let's get you up front. And, and that's, right. and that's what we've noticed over the last couple of years of just getting to know so many of our listeners, uh, you know, whether it's on the phone or in person or through emails. And uh, it's, it's, it really is quite astonishing just to, to see that in, with a band that's been around for so long and, and 
people are just diehard fans and, and they'll look out for each other. And it, it's so cool and encouraging. And, and, uh, and it's something I think that all of us are proud to be a part of that community. It is absolutely. And, and it, San Francisco is a huge town. And so we, we ended up staying down by union square on post street, a, a little Victorian hotel called the Andrews, I think is what it was. Oh, cool. And so we were, we were right downtown and we saw a lot of people, uh, with Metallica shirts on and you could, and you could just tell that there was, um, a, a special event happening. We had talked to some locals and, and they were, um, they knew that the chase center was opening, but they didn't know exactly what was going on. And I explained, you know, that I'd won these tickets and we were here to see this great show and, um, you know, the opening of the, of the center, which they knew. And they're like, Oh, that explains why we've seen so many metallic t-shirts around. <laughs> and it's San Francisco, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you just, just said, Hey, uh, just take a look out on the street and you'll see who's playing tonight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what number show is this for you? Uh, this was show number five for me and number two or three for my wife. Okay, cool. The last one being Boise? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so just to recap, I first saw him on Damage Justice, and then I saw him uh, during the load cycle, and then I saw him in the Madly uh, in Anger with You tour, and uh, then the the um, Hardwire tour, and now awesome man so yeah you've you've seen some good key uh moments in time for the band you know especially damage justice you know even madly and anger tour i mean yeah that's a cool wide variety of tours that you've seen right yeah i mean aside from uh seeing the snm show the madly and anger uh with you tour was probably my favorite set list and just a a that was pretty cool because you know you thought that the band was it it potentially had like that thought of train wreck and this is not gonna gonna end well and this might be the end of you know a band that could have gone on forever and and Mm -hmm. when we saw them live for that tour it was like nope they're good they're fine yeah (laughs) this is gonna work out they're gonna do okay i think we're gonna think we're gonna survive this (laughs) that's cool man so uh was that uh that was what around oh three you saw them on that tour uh yeah 304 whenever it was yep okay man that's awesome yeah i i i like to say that i'm kicking myself for not seeing them earlier than i did but it just never worked out with you know me traveling all the time and when i was younger it's like you know i think my parents were kind of scared like oh i remember asking my parents to let me go to the guns guns and roses metallica tour but i mean i was in i was in i don't know 10th grade maybe (laughs) <laughs> they were a little a little weirded out by it. But, I mean, looking back, I'm sure my dad was, you know, if I asked him now, he'd probably be like, yeah, we should have let you go to that. <laughs> but So, yeah, unfortunately for me, I could see him to like 09. Um, but, you know, well, that, worth that the wait. Is, it is absolutely worth the wait. But that's one of the things that that about what made uh, these SNM concerts so special and such a uh, hot commodity and why everybody wanted to see him is that I think people, when they saw the the Guns N' Roses Metallica tour, knew that that was a pretty cool bill. Right. But in hindsight, and with some perspective now, we didn't realize how monumental it was at the time until mm-hmm. you take a step back. And obviously, all, all the the timing issues and, and the fire and everything for that uh, added to it. But But you just just was one of those things that you go back and go well it probably wasn't ever going to happen again so yeah man 
Wouldn't it be crazy if, if they decided to do that again? I mean, I don't think it will happen, but uh, <clears throat> I think there's not a chance. But it would be crazy since both bands are active again, and, and you've got you know Slash and Duff back with Guns. Um, it would be kind of crazy, but I, I don't see that. I think I think both bands are doing too well on their own. It just they can both sell out stadiums on their own. So why combine it now? But back then, man, it was like both bands were like on top of the world with the Black Album and Usually Illusion One and Two. So it was like this monumental tour that that happened. Right, and maybe them touring that one time and not going back out again it solidified them. I mean, what are they number one and number two now? Something like that for yeah. touring. Yeah. 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 And then Axel's some... hitting the stage on time. So yeah, well, that's even he, better. I think he has to contractually <laughs> before he didn't give a shit. He's like, well, I'll go on at 2am. I don't care. But I think there's a lot more money at stake this time with that. Not, not in this lifetime tour, but I mean, good for him. I mean, you know, it, it, what I can tell from going to one of those shows, it seems like he's made a bit of a life change and, he lost a bunch of weight. He's going on stage on time. You know, you're seeing photos of him and Slash hanging out. There's talks of them work, working on a new record. Oh yeah, I think he's settled. I think he's settled in himself, and um, and it's just you know grown up and maybe doesn't have that same chip on his shoulder that he did before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, so many stories. You can watch so many things on YouTube or whatever of him just coming on stage late or, or causing you know people to freak out and and you know it's axel it's like it's kind of that you know that old school dangerous rock star kind of attitude but i think he's you know mellowed out a little bit and and honestly like those weird years where they, it was axel and a bunch of other dudes in the band i you know i've watched videos of and stuff and he did not sing well he was he was out of shape out of breath and then it you know with all these new changes and the, those dudes coming back in the band it was like i think something just snapped in his head and he just like you know it was like i gotta take this more serious i guess in a way um so yeah, it was cool. I saw the Nashville show and it was great. He sounded awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great to hear. You know, you can't be uh, the next Rolling Stones if you're not around in 40 years. Right, exactly. I mean, I don't know if his voice will last that long, but hey, he's in his 50s and it's it's still, you know, he, of course, he, he's never going to sound like he did in the 80s and early 90s, but, you know, for no. someone in their 50s who's been singing like that for so long, like, you know, he knows now how to kind of, when to save it, when to throw it out there and, um yeah, man. It was, honestly, it was a great show, and apparently, this is a Guns N' Roses podcast now. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and that's uh, last thing to say about that is that it's impressive as as to see him out there playing twenty some odd songs and singing them a night. Yeah, that's, absolutely, that's good. Man, absolutely. So, so let's go back to your day in San Francisco. You get there on Friday. You're hanging out. You're at your hotel. Um, you're seeing people on the street. So, was it a bit of a tease for you and your wife to be there the day of night one? Um. No, not really. Um, I was actually happier to be going to night two um, just because, you know, you'd have a few. I, I peruse the forums a little bit, not a ton. Uh, there's a, just a ton of content on there that's yeah. tough to sift through unless you have a, a, a bunch of time. But I figured if there was any any technical issues as far as uh tickets or which you know i still had a little anxiety about that <laughs> sure um tickets or getting through screening or things that had come up on night one that that i would be able to see those and and find a workaround and one of the things being such a new venue was 
how you know everybody was were cautiously uh, warning us about when we needed to get towards the venue and how we should do it and whether we should take the the light rail or should we uh, take an Uber or should we just take the hour walk down there and mm-hmm. and make a hike out of it. So so we had a, a little bit of time to decipher that. So short answer is that no, we were happier to be going. I was happier to be going yeah. to night two. Well, and night two was all fifth members as well. So Oof. everything I've heard from people was that, you know, it the crowd was louder, singing louder. Uh, the energy in the room was way different than night one. I mean, I'm sure it was still great at night one, you know, according to Chris, it was. But um, but when you throw in hardcore fans, you, you pack all them into an arena, it's like, well, obviously that's going to be the more electric night. It was amazing. It was um, take going to see your favorite band in a club where everybody knew every word and were there to see them and weren't there for the the party or just because they had free tickets right um and amplify that by 18,000 or however many people were there it was uh, it, it was um <clears throat> i've never seen anything like it before and i'm i doubt that i ever will again it yeah, was man. so so electric and so um so full right totally it, it, yeah, it really almost felt like a club show from that aspect. So uh, the seats that we had were in, we <laughs> we actually had, we were in the last row of the upper tier. So we were in the definition of nosebleed. <laughs> right, totally. Which, which is, um, was a amazing um, bird's eye view of the entire event. Mm-hmm. So you could... You could see, you know, you listen to Chris, you know, had such a great view and he was so up close, uh, especially for night one, that, that the nuances of of toe tapping and and some of that stuff and, right. and the monitors. He had a great view of that. But what we had was like an overall perspective of the entire event, not just the band, but the lighting the people, mm-hmm. the uh, the round screens, or four uh, circles of of screens that were offset from each other. Right. Yeah. And and it was it was just a it was a perfect bird's eye view. Well, that's a good. I mean, that's a good description of it because a lot of times people, you know, might look, you know, might frown upon nosebleed seats, but depending on what kind of thing event you're going to see, sometimes it's like. Not necessarily better or worse, but it's just a, like you said, a different perspective. You're getting to see the entire thing, not only the band, the string players, the, the uh, production, but you're getting to see the reaction of the whole crowd at once too. Where if you're down on the floor, which is obviously a great view, like where Chris was, you know, you kind of have to look around to see everybody and stuff. But I mean, yeah. So if yeah, if you're going to any show and you're in nosebleeds, it's like look. Sometimes you got to look on the bright side. Like look, I get this really cool bird's eye perspective. That's a great way of putting it. Right and. And Metallica knows the venues well, and they work with great designers, and they have great ideas themselves. So when I saw the Hardwire tour in Boise, I was on the floor and bounced between in front of the sound uh, board up to the rail and back. Yeah. And um, and you just you know the cubes are a different point of view from that standpoint, and so 
um, I, I was, it was equally as nice to be able to see the entire event. Yeah, man. That's, that's awesome. So did you guys, uh, since you got there on a Friday, did you partake in any of the, uh, the, 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 the day off in between any, any of those events, parties and stuff? No, I didn't. Um, I was, you know, I was, like I said, it was, I brought my wife with me and it was a, a pseudo anniversary vacation for the both of us and especially for her. And, and I, we were there obviously to see Metallica, but I wanted to make sure that, that she was getting to do some stuff that she wanted to do. And, and for both of us, we both enjoy big cities. And so right. that, what that really entailed of was a Saturday of just putting about six miles on walking around town and, and yeah. just experiencing a, a big city. We walked to, Oh, the pier close, close by the uh, Bay bridge and got to see water, you know, being in a landlocked state. You, <laughs> right. anytime, anytime you get a chance to see water is always one of those things that you, you have to go do. Well, so, and the weather is always pretty dang good in San Francisco. I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of years there because my wife is from the Bay area. So I spent a lot of time in Oakland and San Francisco and East Bay and stuff. And it's like, until you get on the other side of the kind of the mountains, it's, it's always like in the sixties or seventies and just pretty perfect. If they have a heat wave, it's rare and people lose their minds. Right. Exactly. And so I, um, I do quite a bit of work from Sacramento all the way down to like Fresno on the I five corridor there. Yeah. And just timing never gets me over into San Francisco. So I was excited to be there and actually, you know, get the, the Marine layer and, yeah, and man. feel the, the coast. So, well, and for those that, you know, might live in, uh, in that area of California, I mean, I, I grew up in Southern California, but I've, I spent a lot of time doing music and stuff. And obviously, you know, playing in places like Bakersfield or Fresno or Sacramento and it gets slightly hot there in the summertime. It's, it can be pretty miserable. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, man. So, uh, so you guys, you know, you're, you're celebrating your anniversary. So on that, on that Saturday, you're, you're doing some touristy stuff, you know, seeing the pier, um, probably grabbing some good food cause there's loads of good food in San Francisco. Um, so that's cool. I mean, you don't want to, I guess, bombard your wife with like, hey, I know it's her anniversary. However, every day is going to be Metallica. <laughs> right. And, and for her and I, the one thing that was important to us was to go find some local, like, some local things to do. You know, we ended up trying, you know, we tried to not eat at tourist restaurants and, and um, we ended up in a couple uh, local bars. Nice. And, that was nice to just, you know, be kind of absorb part of the city and in what it is and not just, you know, come in with uh, as a tourist wanting to hit all the, the basic tourist things. Right. Exactly. No, that's a so, good call, man. That's I mean, that's a lot of times when my, my wife and I go on vacation or even when I'm on tour and I have a day off or whatever, you know, I like to explore a little bit further than just what's the most well-known thing to do. Um, that's kind of that's where you really find the charm of a city and, and find stuff that. You know, you go to a touristy spot. I mean, sometimes that's fine. You know, you want to go out to Alcatraz and check that out. That's great. It's really fun. Uh, I've oh, sure. Do, I've done it. Um, you know, um, but, you know, you don't want to go to San Francisco and go to Pier 39 and just go eat at Bubba Gump, you know. Exactly. And so, you know, Monday after the event, we did go, we did walk to the to Pier 39 in that area and, and did some of that touristy stuff. And Right, but a balance. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, man, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've definitely gone to cities and done the most touristy things possible just to get a photo or, 
you know, there, there's this ongoing thing that uh, this old joke with my old band where our bass player used to have this pose he would do. And it's like this, he's laying on his side, like pointing to the camera. He, it, we always call it a sexy pose. So he, <laughs> he would do it on tour when we were at like national landmarks or we like one, I remember one time we were at, uh, um, uh, oh my gosh, why am I blinking? But whatever, pick one, you know, let's say at the Grand Canyon or something or by the Empire State Building, he would do the pose in front of this thing. So because we don't tour together anymore, I kind of carried on that tradition. So anytime I'm in a certain city or when I was on vacation recently, you know, there was this great lookout over the Atlantic Ocean. I'm like, all right, let me do the pose real quick and get a picture of it nice. to my buddy. So there is fun in, in doing the, the, the ultra touristy stuff. But, uh, you know, I applaud you and your wife for branching out because San Francisco is such a a deep city to explore and, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, it's expensive, but it's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, actually, if you, yeah, it's expensive, but, uh, we found some, some decent places to hang out that weren't total gougers. Um, and so, uh, that was nice. We, the, uh, obviously, um, the, where we went, which was close to the chase center on Sunday before the concert, mm-hmm. they, uh, they knew, they knew they had you captive, captive so right yeah exactly <laughs> oh man well I'm, I'm i'm glad that that it worked out where your wife could go and you can make this special anniversary trip um obviously anchored by the metallica show so let's uh let's get into you know get into the show you talked to already about you know you have nosebleed seats so it's a good perspective of the crowd um you had mentioned that you know you kind of had to do a, a little bit of explaining about the tickets but obviously you got in um so yeah so we we um we we Ubered down there early, oh, about two thirty or three o'clock on on Sunday to a place. So it was at the Mission Rock Resort, okay. which is a restaurant oyster bar right across the street from the Chase Center, and uh, proceeded to to have a bunch of oysters and a bunch of cocktails, nice. and it had it just turned in and i don't know whether it was intended to be that way or not but it was full of of metallica fans uh as the show got closer and closer right and so um it just turned in it was a, a big party met people from alabama um a few other places and just uh shot the shit with a bunch of people that were from all over the country yeah uh, there to see the 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 um the concert so yeah that was a that was a an awesome experience. Um, and we, uh, we went from there, headed over to the, uh, the arena and, uh, we're in pretty long lines and they took their security as no joke, obviously for, for being the first one and being such a metropolitan area and for all the obvious reasons. So, I mean, there were there were dogs, there were metal detectors. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that there was facial recognition stuff that you don't know. I'm sure that there was there were things going on around and in adjacent buildings that that uh, none of us ever really want to think about or are oh, yeah. happy that we don't have to know for about. For sure, the government the government <laughs> um, the government knew everybody that was going to see that show that night. Well, it's funny because <laughs> um, I have a, a a group of people that I know. We have a traveling. Uh, rubber alligator that's you know about eight inches long that yeah. we take places in, awesome and his name's steve and so steve got to go to metallica and <laughs> as i was trying to get through the security they say is there anything in your pockets that we need to know about and i said yeah 
I'm bringing in a rubber alligator. Is that all right? <laughs> and holy shit, the line stopped. Now, I don't know. They said, well, can we see it, please? And so I, I pulled Steve out of my pocket and showed him it's just a rubber alligator. He he goes places. We take photos with him, and, and yeah. he's a traveling traveling trinket. And so the supervisor had to come over and look at it. <laughs> and then fi- finally the supervisor, supervisors came over and said, no, no, that's fine. Just let them, let them go. So they were new and, and it was, and I, and I get it. I totally understood. So anyway, Sir, we've, so, got a, we've got a code red over here. We've got a <laughs> eight inch rubber alligator. Uh, you know, I need my supervisor over here. ASAP. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Steve made it past security with us and we made it in with our, with our tickets, uh, and everything worked seamless there. So we got in, um, went up to our portal and uh, found out where our seats were. And merch lines were ridiculously long. I'm so sorry. First of uh, all, you went, you went through the portal. Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> I had to do that real quick. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, I, Clint would be disappointed if you didn't. That's true. <laughs> we, should, we should pause and let... Uh, Clint enter something here for for his portal stuff. Well, Clint's not here. <laughs> Clint, no, <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, like I said, we had a couple drinks at the um, uh, at the bar across the street. Found the bar in the uh, one of the bars there in the Chase Center. Yeah, uh, my wife and I grabbed some cocktails and. Uh, Went up to our seats, uh, checked them out, and uh, really were there not too early, um, so we didn't have to linger around a whole lot. Um, so yeah, yeah, we ended up. So we're at our seats, and they're up high, but they've got a great overall view. Yeah, awesome, man. So you you bypassed the merch line initially because it was a little too long. You think maybe thinking go back a little later? Yeah, absolutely. I had a, I had a plan for it. So um, and that and, and it was just I didn't want to. I looked at the line and knew that I was going to miss the beginning of the concert if mm-hmm. I got in line at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. I mean, it, I mean, if you really want something, maybe like when you want to get one of the limited show posters, I mean, you got to get there pretty dang earlier than you even got there, you know? Absolutely. I mean, you listen to Chris talk about being in line and that's, that's cool. And, and I, um, I am proud of people that are dedicated that like that, but I, that's just not, I, I'm not a line waiter. It, yeah. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to, uh, during the, uh, the Nashville show last January, um, I couldn't get down there as early as a lot of other people did. And, uh, like we talked about Metallica fans taking care of each other. I had, you know, uh, Mr. Brad Blazik secured a poster for me, which was very, very kind. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And I know that at this show, Chris had talked about, they, they did limit, posters to one per person but there was some butthole in earlier or uh, further up in the line that got like 11 posters or something before they like realized that they weren't supposed to do that some e- got some yeah. ebay flipper or something yeah yeah and i that's i don't know i just i'm not i'm not into that you no. know that's if it's it's, it's be it's, there it's unf- be at the concert. yeah it's unfair to the rest of us you know it's like now that means, you know, if you, let's say you got up there and got 11 posters or whatever, that's 10 other people that aren't going to get one now because you just want to go try to make some money on eBay. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, there's those types of things that I, I, 
I buy plenty of stuff off eBay and, and wherever, but I don't, I don't know. I just try to be in the moment and enjoy the show and, mm-hmm. and not worry about, um, you know, if I get this, maybe it's going to be valuable later or, or any of that kind of stuff. Right. Exactly. And that stuff's cool. Like if, 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 one day some show poster you have is worth a lot of money and you are in need and need to sell it. Great. Go for it. But the the fact that people show up just to buy stuff to resell, like literally put it on eBay that night. We always see, I right. think I mentioned this on the other episode, but you know, since I'm a big vinyl collector and so is Clint, you know, oftentimes you go do record store day events and there's dudes there that'll buy every single release and they're in their car putting it on eBay. It's like you. Mother- yeah. That's what you're saying. And that's, I, Yep, it's just frustrating because right. because that person has zero intention of actually like cherishing this thing they bought. You know, like the the, the four Metallica posters I have from shows I went to um, are framed in my studio on the wall, and every day I get to walk down and look at those and be like, "Man, that was so fun! That it was awesome!" Or you know, I've got all sorts of p- framed things in my in my studio, and a lot of them are really cool memories from things I've done over the years, and and. You know, maybe one day I'll sell it all. I have no idea. Or maybe one day it'll go to my niece and nephews. Probably not, because they don't like they don't care about metal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but you got them for you. They were they were there for you. They're they're memories that you developed. And and if it so happens to be that it's something that someone else wants someday that you have to sell it, that's yeah, totally. That's yeah. fine. But you know, people that just go autograph seekers, I, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just not much of a fan of them. I've had a uh, few unique and rare opportunities to spend time with some, some what people would consider some famous people. Yeah. And I just watch people kind of slobber over trying to get autographs and stuff. And I just you know, saw it at a pretty young age, yeah. uh, just, just early in the college and went, nah, that's, that's not the kind of person that I'm going to be. So, you know, right. if I, if I ever had opportunity to meet, you know, or when I get those opportunities, I just want to say thank you for what you've done for my entertainment value mm-hmm. or whatever. Totally. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've definitely had people sign stuff over the years. It's, I don't do it that often. Cause I, I think sometimes I'm in, I'm in a situation where I'm playing a festival and there's other artists that I look up to there and it's like, Oh, this isn't really the time and place to do that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, well, I mean, the only signature you're looking for now is Brandy Carlisle's on your check, right? I, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's the autograph I want. Who, who's who's cutting my paycheck for the work I did? <laughs> autograph exactly. here. Make it out to Ethan. <laughs> um, I think I, I've, I've thought about this with you talking about those autograph seekers who just get stuff signed and resell it. I think if I was the, the kind of person that was whatever famous and and the kind of person that people would constantly come up to and ask for autographs and knowing that they're going to go resell it, I would just sign someone else's name and just ruin what they wanted signed. Right. If, Absolutely. If, if, you, if you could tell that it was somebody, cause you can kind of, I mean, at least when I've seen it from a distance, there's true fans that are kind of nervous and whatever. And there's other people that just have a stack of stuff and you know exactly what they're doing. And can you sign these five pit guards for me? Right. Exactly. It's like, yeah, no problem. And I'm just going to go on there and write like Liam Neeson or something just to, just to ruin it. <laughs> And it's not even close to his signature, and then they're going to be like, "Oh man, that's whatever." And no, they're going to. To me, those are those guys that do that aren't too far from like paparazzi. They're just bugging people. They want to make money on shit. It's so annoying. Yeah. But anyways, anybody want to buy some memorabilia at my house? <laughs> I'll sign Liam Neeson's name on it for you. There you go. Um, so all right, so back to the show. So you're at your seat. You got a good bird's eye view. Um, I'm going to preface something that we're going to get into at some point here during the set list, but there is a bit of bad news in this story. 
of Chad's journey to see Metallica. We're going to get to it. Don't fret just yet, but let's get into the show, into the set list. Um, uh, walk us through it, man, because this is an exciting night for you. Yeah, so it is. So um, uh, as Chris said, and and everybody knows now that they didn't play long way to the top, uh, but the but you could tell that the that everything was starting to happen because uh, music, musicians were going on stage and they were tuning instruments and it, and it was starting to sound like a symphony, like an orchestra, right. you know, people up there tuning their stuff and warming up. And, and so that was a, uh, that was a, a total mood setter. It was really, really different. And you could just tell that this was something that was going to be different than your normal concert. Right. Totally. That's yeah, awesome. Did you guys, so, do you guys um, uh, sorry to interrupt you, uh, but I, I meant to ask this. Did you guys dress up at all, or are you just kind of in your normal street clothes? Just normal street clothes. I'm a, um, shorts and flip-flops and uh, flip -flops. white t-shirt okay, kind of guy. That's extra casual. <laughs> well, yeah, I yeah. back it, man. Listen, I'm from Southern California. If I can, if I can wear flip-flops, I'm going to wear them. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think the last two episodes we recorded at Clint's studio, I showed up in a sleeveless anthrax shirt, shorts, and flip flops because <laughs> it's like well, ninety-five I, degrees here. So. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I mean, just I, yeah, I, I am who I am, and um, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm a jeans, t-shirt, or collared shirt for work. Um, yeah, you know, just normal, normal clothing. I've never never worn very many concert t-shirts or right. uh any any kind of stuff so i just was just going to be myself wasn't going to dress up because it's not something that i would normally do okay. um and and in my younger more uh flamboyant days i might have tried to pull something off like chris had but um i just wasn't that wasn't me at 47 anymore so <laughs> right. i just comfortable you went for comfortable and modest okay yeah, yeah, yeah chris chris will and all out i'm sure a lot of people that listen to the podcast may uh, either follow him on social media or whatever but i mean he he went a lot for that suit man he he be, like made no exceptions it was gonna be exactly how he wanted it and and that it was amazing i know he got a lot of compliments on that but um okay so uh into the set so the bands the string players are tuning up they're warming up a little bit it's that cool atmosphere that is you know like an orchestra is about to play Right, exactly. And so, you know, I had the one thing I had done be, just because I'm I, I'm still that six-year-old boy that wants to peek underneath the tree. I did look up what the set list was just to wonder if it was going to be the same or different mm -hmm. from night one to night two and kind of wanted to know. And um, so so I knew, I knew how the set was going to go. So the Ecstasy of Gold started and that was that's a, a just a totally different experience hearing it live yeah i'll bet by an orchestra um so is that the correct term is it an orchestra or is it a symphony what's the difference between the two uh i okay well, i'm on the spot now i don't know the specific differences between orchestra and symphony i mean i mean they are an orchestra and they are a symphony maybe they're one and the same i'm uh Dang it, we should have asked Scott that question. What is the difference? <laughs> um, honestly, I, I, I don't know the specifics of that, but I mean, I, I don't think, I could be wrong on this too, but I don't think they would take offense if you called them an orchestra. Um, well, I'm calling them an orchestra, until, and I apologize for the emails if it's wrong. All right, fair enough. So the orchestra uh, jumped into the XT of Gold, 
And it was awesome because the crowd was just really quiet. I mean, they were, it was a, there was a hush, but it was still, people were listening and they were excited, but it wasn't, um, I don't know, it was just hard to explain. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm sure, um, it, it, like you said, I mean, hearing that live and not just over the PA, like on, on like the tape, as they say, um, I'm sure it kind of just, it, it called for a moment of, you know, silence in a way. It was like, wow, this is really happening. And, and this sounds so much better or different, you know, than just the normal tape they play. Well, it totally grabbed your attention. So you're like, wow, this yeah. is, I mean, this is different than listening to it on your TV, watching the old Clint Eastwood movie. And it's different than hearing it over the PA. This right. is, this is what, whoever wrote this piece of music, this is how they wanted you to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so, so that was, that was awesome. And then, uh, you know, everybody comes out at the end of that and then, uh, jump into to, to Cthulhu. And, um, from, from the S and M one days that, that jump from ecstasy to, to Cthulhu was never my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, so it works, it worked very well live. Um, yeah. Just because the way that the ecstasy builds up and then Cthulhu starts off pretty, pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I have some opinions on how that could have been done better, but it was amazing. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't have anything, I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about any of this stuff. It was awesome. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've always, I, I personally, I've always liked that transition. There was, you know, this big intro that just builds and builds and builds. And then when it cuts off, then it kind of comes in real somberly, you know, with James's guitar and stuff. And, um, and Chris had mentioned that all, you know, like as opposed to S and M one where all the guys kind of came out one at a time, all the guys kind of came up on stage at once um, during this. Right. Yep. That's yeah. Cool. That's and you, cool. could, you could see them from up there. Yeah. Oh, That's look, awesome. they're all dressed in black. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that one's walking funny. That's Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that? Crab? That one's next to a wah pedal. That's Kirk. Who's that crab walking down there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was, uh, the, the, nothing, um, Nothing different from Cthulhu that you would, other than what you would expect, which was uh, they all seem to be firing on all cylinders together. Mm-hmm. It was meshing well. Um, at this point, you're wondering how is it going to, you know, you're wondering, or you had been wondering how the sound is. Are you going to be able to hear the symphony? Are you going to be able to hear the band? Are who's are they going to be competing? Are they right. going to be meshed well in together? I'm at the back of the arena. Am I going to be able to hear anything or not that I'm not going to be able to hear anything, but is there going to be an echo? Is there Mm -hmm. going to be a delay? Um, is it going to be boomy because I'm in the bass node? Um, you know, all that stuff. And, and from where we were, um, seven or eight cocktails into it, it sounded great. Yeah. Awesome. It's probably the cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, it did. It did sound good though. Um, that's awesome. So, that's cool. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, obviously the set list is different from SNM one because they're adding new songs and stuff like that. So going from Cthulhu into Bells was probably pretty exciting. Well, that's a that is a great live song for them. Um, one of my personal favorites, and actually probably my favorite song on SNM one. So yeah, nice. uh, I was really excited that that they were going to pull that one out and play it again. Very cool, yeah, and, and and so early in the set too. That's so awesome. 
yeah, it, it added, um, it took off, uh, from the energy building from Cthulhu and then jumped into that and, and people were feeling it. Yeah, um, obviously but... there were a lot of people that had been there night one, uh, that were back for night two, but like the crowd was, uh, as, as we get into it here a little bit more, the crowd was, they, it was a fan based crowd. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. I mean, when I saw that they were only releasing tickets to fifth members, I'm like, oh, that's going to be the best night for sure. Yes, and uh, and you know, not being at night one, I can't compare it. But I'm telling you, like I said, it was going to be a, it's going to be a concert that had a crowd vibe that I will won't ever get to see again, especially right. in that large venue. Heck yeah, man, that's awesome. I'm glad you got to experience this. Um, so I was kind of surprised by seeing the set list. I mean, obviously, we all know, know now that they were the same each night. But I was really surprised to see the day that never comes so quick in the set. Yeah. I mean, you know that that they're probably going to put a lot of the heavy hitters at the end, similar to, um, you know, how they do, you know, they're the end of like the European tour where it was just hit, 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 mm-hmm, yeah. you know, strong, strong finish. So I figured it didn't surprise me to see it so early. And it, and it was not a shocker to see that it was that song because that song lends itself to having an orchestra Agreed. play with them. And or, what was or great symphony. about that or symphony, yeah. Which, whichever <laughs> one, both of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe maybe part of the stage was a symphony, and the other part was an orchestra. I wonder if it's the difference between calling a band either a band or like a group. You know, like it's kind of the same thing. I don't know. I'm going to look this up when we finish. You know, there's someone yelling at us right now. On this, well, don't on worry. The... I'm going to record a thing after we're done and 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 define it for everybody. So don't email. Don't push pause on this. And be like, hang on a second. I'm going to email those guys and tell them the difference between a symphony and orchestra. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna look it up and I'll I'll correct my I'll correct what we've talked about at the end. Right, awesome. So yeah, I mean that and that was a that one's a builder, right? I mean it's just it starts off slow and it builds until the end of the thrash and man, did it sound awesome? Yeah, it was a it it filled the arena and it just filled all the space, but it wasn't what I take away from this whole thing is that there was no one climbing on top of each other musically. Right. It, there was, there were still spaces. There were still, there were, there were, uh, it was loud. It was quiet. It was, it was in between and it wasn't muddied at all by having so many people up on stage. And that's, uh, you know, just you're dealing with the, the best people in the world to put together a symphony orchestra and, and they certainly understand music in a way that I can't even begin to, to comprehend. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, totally. As a musician, most of my life, I still don't, I can't comprehend what they are doing and I can't read music like they can all that stuff, but that's why they're considered world-class musicians. And as Scott explained to us, the audition process to even get into something like this is so, so insanely tough. Well, it is, you know, and he described it as, you know, similar to like playing for the Golden State Warriors or playing for a professional team. And I actually think that they're probably more elite than that because um, you have different, you have so many towns that have so many different sports teams. But Mm -hmm. when you start talking about these world class musicians, 
I mean, they're world class. They're not United States class. Right. Exactly. So, they're not San Francisco class. They're not yeah. No. Marin if he's, wa- if he's wanting to leave San Francisco, he's going to London, or he's going to, you know, with what what his abilities are, he's going wherever he wants to write his ticket. He might be in the Boise Symphony next. You never know. <laughs> Everybody else from California is moving up here, so I wouldn't <laughs> expect to. Well, be any different. It's a lot cheaper there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so, so moving along here, uh, then we get uh, obviously still from S and M one. This uh, was one of my favorites from that one is uh, "Memory Remains." And holy cow, um, this is where it sounds like that the difference between night one and night two was just a defining moment. Mm-hmm. It was it was everything that you've heard about people. Being loud at the end in the right. Marianne Faithful part was all that and more. I don't think that that you could under that you could overstate it. It yeah. was they we didn't want to stop. We weren't going to stop. We would have let it go for three or four more minutes if they would have let us. Amazing. Yeah, that's so rad. <clears throat> yeah, yeah I, it was. I, I mean, it was it was amazing enough to experienced that song you know when i saw them in 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 birmingham for instance and that was just like you know the whole crowd singing that but a a arena full of fifth members singing that yeah i'm sure it was something unforgettable right yeah so i mean it was it was just amazing yeah man very cool so moving along we get uh confusion now as i said i had seen the set list before and knew that this song was probably going to be on it. I, I was assuming that it was going to be the same from night one to night two. Right. And on the plane ride down, I popped on hardwired and listened to it all the way through. And I thought, okay, besides murder one, what uh, man, if they play confusion, I'm going to, there might be just a little tinge of disappointment. Cause it was sure. not my favorite. Uh, the musically, I, I love that song. Mm-hmm. But I think that the lyrics are a little too um, just in your face, um, not not necessarily as deep as like disposable heroes, okay. you know, on on a similar subject. So, um, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, man, and but and saw that they were going to play, it and I was like, well, Chad, you better get the hell over that because they're going to play it and you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I did absolutely. I was going to ask if you did you actually enjoy it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. The music all sounded the the thing about the hardwired tunes um, that I was so impressed with and 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 was how well the music and the orchestra blended in with them. Yeah. Um, it it they they were a little bit different then the Michael Kamen approach, mm-hmm. they were more, more of an accent. Uh, like you guys said, there wasn't just a different, a totally different tune blending in with it, but they were, it was, uh, they were well, uh, they were well accompanied together. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to see this in theaters and, uh, and see just, I know they're currently mixing or maybe they're done by now. I'm not really sure, but, um, I'm excited to see on, you know, on the big screen and then eventually own it. Like I'm excited to hear the mix, you know, that Greg Fiddleman does, you know I mean? It's a big undertaking and not only as an engineer or as a front of house guy, 
monitor engineer, but as a, as an engineer and mixer in the studio mixing this at that big of an orchestra or symphony, um, plus Metallica, plus mixing in the the crowd noise and stuff like that. Because I mean, sometimes that could affect the recording. It's a tough thing. So I'm, I'm I'm sure it'll sound amazing. I'm really looking forward to it though. I thought it was pretty transparent of Scott to say, um, and you know he doesn't know. He's just he's not in the rock and roll roll world but that they had gone in and done a clean track um, with just them in between the two shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that was, you know, that that's going to go a long way into helping them mix and get the sound that they want. Yeah. They want to have Well, and Sometimes that can be tough too, because they're not playing to a click or anything. You know, right. a lot of times if you're alive, if you're you know playing live to a, a click track, a metronome, what have you, um, you know, over the course of a certain amount of shows, if you're mixing for a live record, you could pull from different shows and it'll, st- everything will still be on the same grid and it'll still be in the same time. Um, exactly. So with this, I don't, I mean, if they have extra stuff recorded, I'm not sure how much they'll be able to use if the timing's a little different or whatever, but we, we'll see. Well, what, what Scott said was that they, they had a band track and right. I'm assuming that that band track was probably from night one that they had just stripped everything out, but the, but the band from the board mm-hmm. and put that in. So, so they were probably playing to music that was the same tempo. Right. Um, yeah. Totally. So, yeah, yep. man. Uh, well, all right, we're moving on here. Then we get, uh, okay, by the way, for a second, when you were, we were talking about how you weren't a big fan of confusion, I thought this is where the bad news portion of this episode was going to happen. No, no, not yet. Okay. We, so we still have a little bit more time before that. So stay okay. tuned. All right. So Moth into Flame. Moth into Flame, um, was awesome. I love that song. It's a great tune. Uh, worked really well with the, with the symphony and, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was as good as you could expect yeah. it to be. That one, yeah, I mean, I'd imagine if I was there, I mean, it would be most exciting. Not only, I mean, it'd be great to see all the stuff they've done from SNM1, but very exciting to see these new songs with new orchestral arrangements and stuff, so. Right, yep. Yeah, and then uh, after that, we went into No Leaf Clover. No, we didn't. We, no, we didn't. <laughs> oh, you're right. We did go to No Leaf Clover. Yeah, we know yeah. They, for some reason they didn't play the Outlaw Torn again. That's so weird. Nice, <laughs> nice work, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> No, and, and Outlaw, the Outlaw Torn is uh, one of my top Metallica songs. I um, I love that song. So getting to see that live, I mean, there's a lot of songs that you don't get to see live on here mm-hmm. very often. So having being able to see that and you know, knowing that it was teased uh, over in Europe, I was, had like everybody did, had a pretty good idea that we were going to get to see it. Right, yeah, exactly. But man, did he sound good. Did they sound good? Yeah, it was dude. his voice. James's voice was uh, spot on. It was, it was great. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. I mean, you know, it's one of those songs that um, had it been on SNM one, we would I would have loved it even more. <laughs> but, um, that's one of those tunes that just grew on me over the years. You know, I wasn't a big Load and Reload fan when they first came out, but I, I, they've just grown on me, and I've learned to appreciate them. And now, after doing this podcast, I absolutely love them. Um, right. And, uh, yeah, that, it's just such a cool song. And, and the orchestra with this is just almost, I mean, to me, it's perfect. It's such a, it, I think I almost like the S and M version better than the album version. Yeah. They, um, they're, I, I have to agree with that for sure. 
Yeah. Yep. And that th- that's just one of those songs when that album came out that I gravitated to uh, immediately. And so um, it's if I make a mixtape or whatever, it was it was it's always there. If I'm right, if I'm adding songs to shuffle, it's it's on there always. Yeah, absolutely, man, for sure. Well, the next we get to my favorite from S and M one, uh, No Leaf Clover. And I'm telling you, of all the things that that and all the reasons why I'm not going to tell you why you missed out on this. <laughs> To hear a song that was developed specifically to play with an orchestra mm-hmm. and and getting to hear it that way live right. is is a highlight. Yeah, man. No, it, it's I mean, I've said it before, it's kind of like the to me it's kinda of like the title track to S and M, you know. It's it's so specific to that release that, you know, I don't really want to hear a version without it. I mean, we they've played it live a few times and it sounds great. But I'd I'd rather I'd, I'll take the orchestra version any day over it. Right, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it was it was um, of all the things that that um, that came out of this hearing hearing something that in a way that you probably didn't think you were ever going to get to hear it that way uh, mm-hmm. was was pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, I mean, what a perfect song. I mean, I obviously I love it. I covered it on our cover of Black and Volume Two, but. Uh, yeah, this this song song will never get old to me. That's for sure. Um, and then another tune after this, "Hail on Fire." This, so I got my, I got my my wishes. There was a few tunes, not all of them, but a few tunes that I was really hoping to be on SNM two. One was "The Day It Never Comes," and "Hail on Fire" was the other one. They have they have space and they're dynamic enough to really work well uh, with a large group of musicians, right? Totally, yeah. And this one they, they I'm, succeeded. This one I'm really excited to see on on the and when the movie comes out because I, I've, I've me and Clint both have kind of purposefully not been watching YouTube videos from the show. I've seen a couple things, but not much. Like right, obviously we had to watch Scott's bass solo because we had him on the show. But um, right, you know, and, and then I watched you know Unforgiven three because it was just James and no band, just the orchestra. So um, I have cheated a little bit, but I haven't watched all the songs. I, just a couple. <laughs> well. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, so we get to intermission. Now we jump in intermission, yeah, and it's time for another cocktail and and uh, go to the bathroom and uh, go out and look at the merch lines, and they are they're packed uh, yeah. as everybody would probably expect. Um, and I was surprised at how many damn people had S and M shirts on. And how long the lines were? I don't know if just people had pre-ordered them or what. They do, um, yeah. They do a pre-order thing for merch, so they might have been able to pick those up right when they got there. Yeah. Anyway, um, go through the the half. Was it twenty five minutes, thirty minute intermission? Uh, it was nice that they had like the countdown clock, so you you had an idea of how long you, you could be gone. Oh, that's cool. Uh, jump back in, try and find your wife. You know all that good stuff. Um, and then we we break out into what I was uh, most excited to see, uh, which was the the symphony stuff, um, just to see how how it all was going to work. And so uh, right. the second movement being just all the uh, the orchestra, um, it's kind of like a reintro to the second set. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was in and, and it was. Um, it it was good. It was um, 
you know, it's a song that I didn't know. They made it pretty heavy. Um, mm-hmm. They they worked it, and it definitely uh, started to quiet, and the crowd shuffled back in during that. Right. So yeah. Yeah, that's and cool. And then Iron Iron Foundry was was awesome. Yeah, th- yeah. So, th- this one I haven't watched either, but um, when I first saw the set list, I'm like Iron Foundry. Like I thought it was like, oh my god, is this like a new song or something? Like the way they did it with No Leaf Clover on the last one. Right. Exactly, and that's what I. Um, I had to Google it to find out what it was before we went, and that's I was like, oh, okay, that's going to make some sense that they're really sharing the bill with the symphony. Correct. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it it wasn't just, hey, you guys are going to be back here and we're going to do our thing, and you guys just try to keep up. Um, it, it was definitely a there's a respect in a spotlight sharing and in understanding that we're 20 years older than we were last time this came out and that mm-hmm. we're maybe more um we are more agreeable to something like this and maybe we would have been 20 years ago right sure yeah i mean i i think when s one came out i mean i was i was 20 when it came out and um I I definitely appreciated it only because I had already gotten into Apocalyptica and sure. heard the four cello player dudes doing their Metallica covers, and I thought it was just beautiful. And so when this came out, I was like on board. I'm like, oh, I'm in. I want to see them with an orchestra. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it um, it it was a good song. It was a it was um, it was heavy. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And then we jump from there to the Unforgiven Three, which was, um, which was great. The, um, you know, just having James up there with just the orchestra behind him was, um, hey, it's you know, it's unique. It's a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah, definitely once in a lifetime or twice in a lifetime because it's two nights. But uh, sure, this was one of the one of the few that I did watch. I was like, I, I was really curious. I'm like, I got to see this. And uh, yeah, it was very cool. I was actually uh, last night when I, uh, we were talking before we recorded, I went and saw my old band Demon Hunter play, and um, their manager, who uh, is also a good friend of mine still, uh, who was also the, the host of Speak and Destroy, Ryan Downey. Uh, we we, okay. ch- we chatted last night a bit about SNM two because he went to night one. Um, nice. Uh, drove up for that, and uh, we were talking about Unforgiven three because it's one of my favorite songs, and. Uh, he was like, man, it was amazing. He's like, the only thing that was hilarious was there was a few moments where James just didn't know what to do with his hands. <laughs> he kind of had some, some hand motions and, and would put his hands on his chest or whatever. And then every once in a while, I was kind of like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> God bless him for not playing air guitar, though. Yeah, that could be bad. That could make yeah. it real weird. Yeah, I mean, that's you, you don't want to see your hero playing air guitar. Yeah, exactly. Chuck Billy from Testament does that on his mic stand a lot. It's real awkward. <laughs> Last time I saw Testament, I was like, he does a lot of air guitar on that. He's got one of those half mic stands like Joey Belladonna. Right. It's just real weird when they do air guitar on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I you know, hey, look, you're you're up there, you're the singer of a band, you're trying to you're trying to be in the music and do whatever, but uh it's tough. You mm-hmm. you uh you don't want to just stand there and shoegaze, but by the same token you don't you don't need to you don't need to play the chords you don't know how to play. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so then, here's where it gets interesting. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, here we go. So we're three songs past intermission. 
man, the lines for the merch have to be down by now. Right. People probably already got all their stuff. And I had I had sent you guys a message that, hey, I want to get you guys a couple t-shirts from the event for just at minimum for saying thank you for uh for the tickets and everything that you guys do to oh man thank you yeah and uh and anyway so i was like okay well, i'm uh, i've i have the all within my hands the the acoustic version of it and i figured that that's what it was going to be i have to sacrifice something here and let's i just grab my wife and say all right let's go find merch yeah. real quick so we jump out on out of we jump out of portal 50 the portal and, uh, yes, and um, and look at all the booths, and all the booths on our upper concourse are closed now. And that, I'm like, okay, that doesn't necessarily uh, bother me. Uh, last call's been had anyway, so um, that, that I'm not surprised. They've got to have their main merch booth open, like down one level. Right. So, yeah. babe, let's go down. We'll go down, uh, get the merch, poke our head in, and see if we can sit in it like and watch a couple songs then we'll jump back up here for for the end and for the encore and whatever mm-hmm. so we jump out and we start heading down the escalator and um and we get down one level on the escalator and now and let me preface this by saying that we've been keeping count of cocktails and i'm at least 10 cocktails in damn well, yeah, I mean, I'm on vacation. Liver of steel, my friend. Well, yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of fat to process the alcohol, so we're okay. There you go. You and me both. <laughs> anyway, we get to the bottom of the escalator, and I'm like, okay, well, we're, and I go to turn right to go walk on the concourse, and there's a person there that says, nope, you can't go, you can't go in here. You got to go out. I said, no, I'm, I'm going to look for merchandise. They said, nope. You can't, you can't be on this level. I said, well, okay, well, I go up and, and I looked around and both is to, to my memory, 10 cocktails into it. Both escalators are going down. I said, well, then we'll just go back up. And they said, nope, you got to go outside. You can't, you can't no. stay here. And, and I got a little assy. I'm not good, which is, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll get into that here in a second. Um, so I'm like, okay, whatever. We'll just go out. I know it says no reentry, but I mean, there's, there's, several people that have been filed out from this where there's got to be a way to work our way back in. And so we step out and we're done. And that's it. I'm out. (laughs) We're gone. Oh my gosh, dude. No. So uh, let me say real quick before you move on. I was expecting, I didn't know exactly where this happened in the set. I was expecting it honestly to happen during the set one. So I'm glad that you at least got through the first half and then some, but you know, missing two, three, four, five, seven songs. <laughs> six. Or six. Six. I guess you kind of saw all within my hands. Right. I heard it as I was as I was as I was uh, uh, walking down the stairs on the outside. And then you realized, it, <laughs> and then you realized your situation was definitely not within your hands anymore. No, no, definitely not. Um, yeah, and so I wanted to. I I um. I went through a range of emotions that went from. Sad, embarrassed, frustrated, and pissed, all in about fifteen seconds. I mean, it's kind of BS that like you're still in the arena and you're like, "Hey, I'm sorry, we were trying to find merch." Even if you're like, "We went down the wrong escalator, we're trying to get back to our seats," and they're like, "Nope, sorry, you got to leave." You're you're not even right. outside. Like that's such yeah. crap to me. Like they're, they're like 
that they couldn't even like sort that out for you. Like, look, here's our tickets. We were trying to find merch. We went down the wrong escalator, and now how do we get back to our seats? Like, sorry, you have to leave. That's that sucks, man. Now I appreciate you saying that, and and I've gone through that emotion. But here's the reality of it, and let's just be straight: is that um, had I not had ten cocktails in me, I might have been able to negotiate the situation <laughs> a little better. And there weren't fourteen thousand other people outside there going, "Hey, what the hell just happened?" Right. You know. So I can't blame it on anybody but myself. And so, um, yeah, I mean, maybe, but I mean, still, I mean, there was clearly some kind of policy that, that, that security guard was told like, Hey, here's the deal. If they come down this escalator, it's exit time. Like, and and this is night, this is event number two for them. So I have to cut them slack. I don't want to, I, I, I'd love for, I'd love for, for it to have been someone else's yeah a hundred percent someone else's mistake but so what you're saying is i didn't get a t-shirt um no no they didn't have any sleeveless Damn shirts or they didn't have the metallica <laughs> flip-flops for you man dude i would so wear metallica flip-flops <laughs> those have to exist right i'm gonna look those up the, like, probably i would wear some master puppets flip-flops in a heartbeat there you go so that, you're, you're, you know yeah so, so anyway we get down now. and i get get down to the main level and they have you know they've got a thousand doors in and out of that place so i i walk up to the door knock on it knock 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 gal says no re-entry i said she says you can't you can't come back in once you've left the premises yeah so for those of you that don't know i'm a i'm an architect and think that i know what the hell i'm talking about <laughs> explain to her that I haven't left the premises that I have not crossed onto the sidewalk and I'm still on site in that. Ooh, nice. Therefore I've not left the premises and you should let me back in. Now what that sounds like. They probably love that. Someone, oh, dude, I've, I felt so proud the next day when I thought about what I said, I was really, really excited with, yeah. with being that guy. Let me translate that for everybody. You're not getting back in. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely no. not. now. I, I don't care if I had the key to the city. I wasn't getting back in at that point. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So we called an Uber and, and I had, I had a five-year-old temper tantrum and, uh, we went home. (laughs) Well, I mean, dude, the bright side is you still got to see the majority of a very historic show. Absolutely. But you know, I, I'm, there's a couple things. First, I'm embarrassed, um, that, that I didn't, I feel there. I'm embarrassed that I didn't manipulate a situation that probably most people could have dealt with. Um, and man, I was, it was, I was like, Oh God, I got to get on the phone and talk to Clint and Ethan about this. And man, <laughs> what I, I, I seriously, the thoughts that ran through my mind are, can I get out of this? Can I get out of this? Right, do I, yeah. you know, or do I lie? Do I go on YouTube or do I just say, Oh yeah, you know, the rest of the set was great. And, and, all that, but you know, at the end of the day, you just gotta own up and and um, when you fuck up, you fuck just up. Call it like and it if is, it was, man. and it's not all my <laughs> fault, sure, but but um, um, it was what it was. So it's just bad you place, I, bad time, man. You and I get to see the 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 back half, the last six songs, the same way. Yeah, totally, and that's great. <laughs> but like I said, man, you you still got to have a great trip with your wife for your anniversary. See some cool stuff in San Francisco. Have some great food. See the majority of S and M too. Um, so, reg- you know, even though yeah, it's a bummer that you missed the last six songs. It's like 
overall, it's like still like an A minus for the trip. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I um uh pulled it together, got the hell over myself, and we had an excellent uh, Monday and Tuesday morning in San Francisco. Yeah, and um and so yeah, I mean it was. Hey, look, uh, I am I am so very thankful for the opportunity. I um I. Even I'm just happy to support you guys uh, oh, man. through Patreon, and and if I hadn't won, I wouldn't feel any different. But I'm I uh, I want everybody to know that's out there that I mean dreams dreams do come true, man. Dreams come true, Dad. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, hey, it's our pleasure, you know. And 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 uh, like we talked about numerous times, I mean, the whole goal of Patreon for us is to just give back to the fans and. You know, I know when I was gone, Clint started sending out a bunch of stuff that other fans had given us to give away. So it's, it's just paying it forward for us, man. We're we're continually blown away by the support of the show, um, not only just from listen, just people listening to the show and downloading the episodes, but just people supporting us through Patreon, uh, wearing our shirts to shows, merchandise, whatever. It's just it's it's truly a surreal thing for us to to see from this side of things. So we're happy to do it, man. We're happy you got to see the majority of the show and have a, and overall have a good anniversary trip. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. My pleasure, man. And thanks for doing this episode, man. I I, I appreciate it. You know, I know you're working a lot, taking time out of your day to talk to me. And uh, yeah, man, thanks. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, uh, on the 9th of October, whenever it is, I will uh, let you know what I thought of the rest of the show. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, we'll have you on for <laughs> Metal Tales from the Road, the last six songs. <laughs> I am pretty excited to be able to go in, in a place like Boise, where they're probably I don't. I could have been the only one. Brooke and I could have been the only ones from Boise at the show. Yeah, I know there were some people from Idaho excited to go watch the show and uh, and tell everybody that I was there. Maybe in the in the far background, you'll see yourself walking out to go find merch, and then like there, there's a last sighting of me. <laughs> <laughs> there's a random camera up there that's just like, look at this guy leaving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, cool, man. Well, thanks again. I'll let you go. I know you got work to do, and you're a busy man. Uh, building things, engineering things. Um, and uh, yeah, again, appreciate the time and uh, we'll do this again in the future. Thank you guys so very much. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I, uh, you know, it's more than just a beer next time you get back to Boise, that's for sure. Perfect. Sounds good. I'll, I'll, All right. I'll take you up on it. All right. Thanks, All right. Ethan. You're welcome. See you, bud. Yeah. All right, folks, it's time to fact check ourselves here um, on the whole symphony versus orchestra debate. Before you clickety clack your email over to me to correct me, here is the definition. An orchestra is a group of musicians with a variety of instruments, which usually includes the violin family. A symphony orchestra, often just called a symphony for short, is an orchestra that has both the number of players and types of instruments required to play a symphony. There you go. You have it. All right. No debate. We're done. Adios. Hey, it's Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we hope you're enjoying the Metal Tales from the Road series. If you've been keeping up with us, then you already know that we've covered every stop on the 2018-2019 North American Arena Tour, and we look forward to catching up with all of our European friends later this year on the Stadium Tour overseas. And there's more! After the Stadium Tour, we are continuing the Metal Tales series for any Metallica show in the past. Maybe you saw one of the Orion Festivals. Maybe you were at the Channel in 1984 and Cliff Burton bought you a beer. Maybe you you were at one of the 30th anniversary shows, or you just saw a regular-ass show in North Dakota somewhere. We want to hear from you. 
Since Ethan and I started Metal Up Your Podcast, we've wanted to find a way for listeners to call in and share their stories. Well, this is it. To make yourself eligible for a future or past Metal Tales episode, please consider joining us on Patreon. For $5 a month, you not only get to come on the show as a guest, you also get both of our Cover Our World Blackened EPs, monthly giveaways like deluxe box sets, rare vinyl, posters, and other goodies. You get early access to our YouTube videos, and we also let you ask our guests like Ray Burton, Michael Wagner, Hailstorm, members of Slipknot, your very own questions. For what essentially amounts to two cups of coffee a month, you can ensure that Metal Up Your Podcast continues to grow in quality and content. For any of you on the ride with us, we love you, we thank you, peace, and adios. Ha 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 